All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen2015. I'm David, not in disguise. And uh, for this uh, preview episode, we have guests, which are... Somebody oh, go first. <laughs> waiting for a cue. <laughs> <What? laughs> uh, just both of us just nodding at the door, one or the other, waiting for the other one to move. Uh, this is Trent. I'm Greg. We wrote stuff. Yes, they have secret inside information about robots in disguise. <laughs> yes, we, we've had Which you we're both not on going for... to tell you. We had you both on for uh, the Gridman episodes. Mm-hmm. I think that was... Were you on for anything uh, else? It's been yeah, a while. Well, I yeah. remember doing a Gridman episode. Oh. Yes. Yeah, we were on for a Gridman episode, yeah. Yeah, Trent, you had Back the, in the before uh, times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You, you had the uh, exciting experience of watching, like, one of the first episodes and then, like, one of the last episodes, and it's like... With, with nothing in between. <laughs> this, this escalated <laughs> quickly. Just, uh, just reconstructing what I find from tropes. <laughs> just building the middle section from what I know from storytelling convention. <laughs> yeah. There was a beach episode. Yeah, well, there's. Yeah, of course it, was, it was a river rafting episode, but yes, it was a beach episode in that bikinis were involved. Yes. <laughs> so that's a trope that you can definitely assume. And this trope is the sequel series. Uh, oh. Perhaps our first true. Well, I mean, I guess the. Well, I mean, the energy. Uh, was the. Uh, Armada and Energy. Was it the Unicron Are, trilogy? I was trying to think of what it was. Yeah, well, the, I mean, it was they would those were sort of planned out ish. Yeah, well, Armada and Energon were Cybertron was sort of jerry rigged in the translation mm. to English to make it fit. I mean, I, I mean, clearly the toys were meant as a sequel to the to Energon. Mm. The fiction, kind of, sort of, maybe, sort of. <laughs> with, uh, but with, this with is the, much as Beast Machines was to Beast Wars. This is the sequel to Transformers Prime, although in this case it went the opposite direction that the Beast shows went. Yes, it became more fun. Yes, uh, wackier and goofier. Yes, uh, but also uh, still lots of animals. Yes, and uh, unfortunately, maddeningly so, um, they once again named it tra- Robots in Disguise, even though... There are so many things associated with this franchise called Robots in Disguise. And, well, it's one of the few Transformers series where the disguise al- aspect actually plays this is in true. on a regular this is basis. True. Yeah, it's, it's the most appropriately named thing that's Robots in Disguise, but the fact that it's like the fourth thing named Robots in Disguise... Yeah. It's annoying. Yeah the, the, yeah, the two cartoons with robots in disguise in the title are the ones with that most actually deserve the bloody this title. This is true. Wasn't... Because even the first one, you know, they spent a lot of time hiding in vehicle yes. mode, which... Meh. And at this point, wasn't... Didn't this start... I know at least at some point well, while it was running, it was concurrent with there being an entirely unrelated comic series... Uh, yes. Under robots yeah. in disguise. Yeah. What? Transformers is recursive? <laughs> <laughs> I am flabbergasted. Yeah, which bumblebee is this? <laughs> it's the Groundhog Day of the franchises. One. The, the kid bumblebee or the bumblebee who doesn't talk or... Wait. Damn it, Trans- Surly have- bumblebee, which I guess we have now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 
Has there been a Groundhog Day episode of Transformers? Shockingly, no. Dang it, now I want that. We've digressed already. Anyway, yeah. yes. Uh, um, so yeah, this uh, this began airing in uh, late 2014. Uh, apparently it first aired on some sort of Chinese video streaming website. Oh, for the first season? Yes. That? I mean, I know the later season. And then I think yeah. maybe somewhere in Dubai or something? Yeah. That was, that was I remember like, something about Dubai. It was like the second half of the first season or the second season aired in Dubai like a month or mm-hmm. two before anywhere else. Which is how most of our friends saw it. I think it, it I, was, I think it may have even premiered on Canadian TV before it premiered on American TV. It was very. Yeah, you, uh, go, you go searching for gifts of the show, and you'll find a lot of stuff with the uh, with subtitles. Yeah, and and with Chinese subtitles and all that because those aired first. Mm-hmm. Very very big uh, watching Beast Machines downloaded from Canadian TV <laughs> in a little tiny <laughs> real player window kind oh, of vibes. Real there. media files. I mean, oh, thankfully, no that. longer reliant on uh, circa two thousand technology. And, and you're Enjoy 30 seconds of 100 pixel video after just three days download. Hoping, yeah, hoping you have a friend on a college campus so you're not just relying on your apartment's cheap dial up. We are old. <laughs> so old. I, I admit, I only know about, I've only heard hearing about the second hand because I was both too young and also I already lived in Canada, so I just watched it on TV. <laughs> Man, no fair. Without realizing how much everybody else was agonizing over not being able to see it on TV. Yes. Well, I, I assure you that Alt Toys Transformers was very upset about... Uh, all up in a dander. <laughs> and they were mad about Beast Machines to start out with, so this must have only compounded things. Yeah. They were still mad about Beast Wars. Yeah. It, it, it was that, that very, like, I hate this and the portions are too small. <laughs> oh. Jeez, the chill pill I would tell us to take if I had a time machine. I, I, I hate this and I can't easily watch it. It gets so much worse. In ten years, the maximum length of continuity will be three years. (laughs) Three years Uh, if we're lucky. Hurts. That's why I said maximum. Well, (laughs) unless unless you're rescue bots. Yes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Apparently, if you're rescue bots, despite the fact that your audience age out rate is like ridiculously high. I mean, maybe that's the thing, is the audience is aging out of it, so they keep getting a yeah, fresh audience of small children to sacrifice well, well, to the to, rescue bots. To drag it back to the thing that we're actually supposed to be talking about, I guess, I mean, yes. that was, as I recall, a major factor in how Robots in Disguise's tone came about. Most of the audience was was aging out of serious Transformers already, and Prime started, you know... Aiming high. How do you age out of serious Transformers? Do you just age into not Transformers at all, or do you age into being I've like... I've been managing lately. I, mean, I was going to say, you age <laughs> into what I've been doing. being like us, where you're just tired of everything being dark and serious all the time, and you age back into the fun, youthful Transformers. Uh, yeah, well, we, this, we are recording. This is, uh, th- this is actually something that Greg and I can speak to, because we actually do have inside scoop on this part. Oh. 
Um, a lot of what we did, uh, the writing that Greg and I did for Hasbro at the time was in the form of these pitches. Uh, mm-hmm. they would, and we can't give you many details about those, but we can give you a general, what they were looking for. Right. Yes, please do not violate your NDAs for us. There were two sets of pitches that we did, two big ones, and some smaller stuff around. We did some bios and some other little things. But the main thing was is they wanted some heavy reboot. There there was a, an initial wave of like five of them where they were like, we want no continuity ties. We want heavy reboot stuff that we can put in our files if the movie and animated both tank. <laughs> oh, so th- well, that th- kind of this- thing. It wasn't that far back. So we're going back quite a ways back well, then. They were talking about like if we don't know when this train is going to run out with the movie continuity, we okay. don't know when when this stuff is going to happen. So we need to be able to make a hard sort of Beast Wars turn at any point. Was what a lot of the stuff was for. Uh, so was this when Prime was still running? Was this before? Yes. Prime? Yeah, this was yeah, when Prime was, was still okay. running. Prime. Um. And I imagine also it's part of just the idea that, I mean, you you all have seen the various concept arts that came around. Like, the, the original concept art for uh, Animated was supremely different, both mm-hmm. from what Animated became and what everything else Transformers was. Mm-hmm. So I imagine there's also a lot of throw it at the wall and pick out the chunks that look good and then... <laughs> yeah, uh, the um, and that that is actually a factor of it. I mean, basically, with Rid, the way it works with the pitches that Greg and I have done is it's sort of like taking a pig to market and recognizing the hooves in the uh, the sausage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we know that you know parts of those that particular piece of livestock did make it into the into the Oscar Mayer. So. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> We can we can see little chunks, but the yeah the main thing that uh, there was a second specific pitch that Aaron got us to do, which is the one that robots in disguise most resembles. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a lot of the sort of story bones and character archetypes and a couple of character names and things like that, alt modes and th- and personalities and stuff like that, and that was. What we were hired, what what Aaron wanted us to do with that was to do something which at the time was a continuity, uh, was not connected to any previous continuity, but was supposed to be aimed at an audience that was between Rescue Bots and Prime. Mm-hmm. They were wanting to kind of skip the average age back a couple of years, so they could hold on to the audience a little longer, mm-hmm. and that was sort of part of what what. I believe led to the tone lightning in Robots in Disguise because I think it was intended to sort of slot in there. It was supposed to pull back a little bit on the uh, on the age range, and so things got sunnier. Yeah, because and... by this point the movies were starting to lose their steam. <laughs> yeah, I mean they were still making ridiculous sums of money, but not. As much ridiculous sums mm-hmm. of money. And, I mean, more we, reasonable sums of we money. We certainly didn't see the you know, yeah. vast, expansive toy lines for them as they yeah. moved on. There was a diminishing returns effect with the toy lines, just because you'd have a Camaro Bumblebee every movie every two years mm-hmm. with eighteen-month toy lines. So there was never any gap, 
and there was always a version from an older sibling that you could pass down. And and, right. and just to clarify, uh, you were pitching this to Aaron Archer uh, of Hasbro. Uh, Aaron, yeah, Aaron had come to us and said, uh, "We want to hire you on to come up with with a, a hard reboot pitch in this a specific age range around this sort of." Uh, he referred to it as sort of a Scooby Dooish kind of level of tone. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's where a lot of that came up, and uh, a lot of aspects of the Rid experience seem to reflect that particular pitch. Um, I mean, it was very, it's still very oh, different. Yes, yeah, we did not create Rid. <laughs> like I said, like I said, we're recognizing slices of hooves and snouts and processed sausage. <laughs> You know yeah, where that liver yeah, came from. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, you know we we know which particular pig that liver came out of. But it's uh, it, it's already it's not only gone through the process of being made into the into the into the raw materials. It's been then passed on to a chef that has cooked it into uh, into robots in disguise. But um, we got hired on to lay down some ideas, and some of those ideas got plucked up for ingredients. I, I guess my uh, my big question, and maybe you know the answer here, maybe you don't, is who decided it needed all the furries? Okay, I don't know who decided that it needed all the furries, <laughs> but who's responsible for it having all the furries is me. <laughs> oh. Okay, that's that's why I was sort of curious about, was that something that was in your pitch, or was that something where the toy designers were like, you know, we think it'd be fun to do some beast th- themes? Uh, we, we have reason to believe, because we had similar themes in a pitch. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. it was something that came up at the pitch level and wasn't just like... I don't know in the in the toys or some some other well, aspect because that's it, really it's obviously the decision to go on it is because somebody at Hasbro uh, saw that or we were thinking along similar lines, um, or they they saw the the sketch that I sent in with the pitch, um, but they what would have happened is they would have gone through the entire room of stuff because they basically told us there's a file a big old file someplace that's got all these contingency plans, all these pitches, every idea anybody's ever come up with, and whenever they're doing something new, they dig through the file and see what looks good. Mm. <laughs> and so, um, it would have they would have gone through that. They would have seen something that indicate that with around the beast con concept, and they would have made the decision, and they would have laid out what characters were what, and and so forth. It was just sort of a vague thing of like. Animal people is cool. <laughs> uh, I, I, I always sort of saw it as like the an outgrowth of the superhero-y nature of the show because you know it's like it's like Spider Man. You know he fights the Vulture and the Rhino and the Chameleon. Yeah. See, I'm well, more of an X Men person, so I don't automatically assume villains as animal people. But right. coming from a Spider Man background, I can absolutely see that. Well, that assumption. one thing I've noticed about Robots in Disguise, it has a very I mean, it's got a gang of five right out of the start, which is a very strong superhero team yeah. setup. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, one of those five always stays behind. He's more the Alpha Five yes. than a uh, you know Black Ranger, but we 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 get our we get our fifth field person very shortly, and they're also very color coded. But yeah, I can see yeah it, yeah very color coded very. Jeez, I only just associated the fact that both <laughs> Fix It and Drift are orange. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the thing about robots in disguise that really is unique to it. I mean, I guess discounting like stuff where the entire series was animals, but you've got this low, not like there's a big deal made out of it being like it's not in the name. It's not like Transformers Beast Cons. Right. But, but the fact that all the Decepticons have some kind of animal theme going on, uh, really makes it unique among, like, the previous series. And, and that not being something that's aggressive. Well, I, w- I was also discussing something along this line with, uh, with someone on Twitter, and it was the, I- the idea that having your Autobots and Decepticons with recognizable mm-hmm. themes is really quite nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because, I mean, that was early Transformers. You basically had, you know, you had your military guys and Soundwave, mm-hmm. and then you had your normal cars, and, like, the aerial bots and yeah. Sonicons was a big deal because they flipped the script. Yeah, that was, like, and a big even the first movie, you know, all your Decepticons are war machines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them is a war machine, and then you've got mostly civilian stuff. Or, mm-hmm. or and one rescue vehicle for the good guys, so it's a right, know, very right. good theming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it it does lead to a lot of really interesting character designs and character ideas that you wouldn't see otherwise. Because even like the Beast era stuff, or like, I mean, I guess Arachnid had her occasional like intermediate mode, but yeah, it's. She- it's not something you don't often see like a vehicle mode that turns into like a wolf robot guy so it's well it's really neat it's you also you also get get a natural like a little bit extra in the character just from the standpoint that the animal form is almost always going to be somewhat mm-hmm. distant from the the norm mm-hmm. and so it's like you like you would have a villain like Steeljaw who normally would be, well, he's a, you know, a, a four-wheel drive vehicle or a Jeep or whatever you want to call his particular tech thing that turns into a robot. Now he gets a little extra stirring in of, uh, of canine werewolf features to give him a little bit of extra spice above and beyond whatever personality they have. It's a little, little twist of that TMNT magic. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That they can kind of squeeze in oh, there. Tumblr I, really likes spice. It's not hard to remember <laughs> things about the villains in this, just because the animal, but a combination of the animal modes and the fact that generally the characters were given distinct voices and yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the voice and cast shtick. of this series is completely bonkers. Yeah, everything had a shtick too. Yeah, well, we got Eddie Deason in a Transformer show. That is, that is, is fantastic. Well, going back to uh, mm-hmm. who was it that mentioned like the the Spider Maniness of right. the villains? Oh, yeah. you, you go back to that. Um, the the villains in in Rid are also kind of more super villainy because, with the exception of Steel Jaws Pack, they all have their own little agendas and schemes and comic booky themes to their their ne'er do wellingness. Yes, I, mm-hmm. I, I seem to remember um I think Margaret Scott, who worked on the show, talked about uh, the writers for the show having like a big uh like a big book of crimes that they had uh <laughs> to to match up with the various uh, villains on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Well, it, it it kind of helped by lowering the stakes and letting the characters shine, which is why yes. the the show kind of got the most boring when stuff like Megatronus showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, it's We're, oh, uh, co- cosmic yeah, evil stuff's happening. Turns it to a tank. All right, all right. This this is a nice door opening to something that I'm going to say that may make people mad. Uh oh. One of the best things this show did was keep Optimus Prime the hell off the screen for as long as possible. Fuck yeah. Yes. And kept Megatron off the screen completely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause... I mean, I think as as much because, and, and this is something that I've seen come up with the newer series, is there's a lot of complaining that Optimus Prime has basically just become this random monologue generator. <laughs> and he's not really... Modern Optimus Prime is basically an imitation of Peter Cullen Optimus Prime making an important speech. Even when Peter Cullen is playing yeah. him, he's an impression of Peter Cullen <laughs> doing an important speech. Yeah. Making a big speech. Yes. It's kind of so sad. So really, your only choices are to do something completely different with him, which Hasbro probably isn't going to be on board with, or just take him out of the picture for the most part, as as was done here. And, why and, why uh, doesn't Optimus Prime play basketball anymore? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, honestly, I thought well, we were all thinking it. Season two had a really good arc at the, for the finale, where the fact that Optimus Prime is, as a character now, this larger-than-life presence, is itself a conflict. Mm-hmm. The the entire the finale of season two has the fact that Optimus just kind of wades in and assumes his standard role, and, and Bumblebee's just like. Dude, my team, my family. <laughs> this is my team. The, 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 these are the people I've worked with for the past. I don't know how long. We know that we we know what we're doing. We've got a thing going, dude. Back off. This is not Team Prime. This is Team B. And then and then wacky Uncle Ratchet kind of goes, kids, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. And it was a good because it also gave for what we have Optimus Prime with a character arc realizing. I, do, I don't need to do this, and this isn't cosmic huge war stakes. I mean, this is important, but I, I maybe yeah, maybe I should back off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss when Optimus Prime was a character. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I, we we are recording this a couple days after that uh, Netflix uh, Seed show came out, and I think most of us have watched some of it at least. I had a lot of fun drunkenly live tweeting the first half oh. of it last night. Uh, I I think the highlights were yelling that Cog is not a character; he is a pile of guns, and so he should <laughs> shut up. Uh- Somehow passes a weapons check. <laughs> He is a weapon. What? I, I I haven't watched it yet. I've been doing other things like um, filing my toenails and uh, yeah, you no, know, a good pedicure. I I definitely <laughs> I that was I think about the only way to not. I don't drink very much, and and I guess warning to anyone for whom drinking is not a thing that's good to talk about. But I I have like an alcohol intolerance, and it gives me this hay fever reaction. Uh, so basically, all I need is like one good craft beer, and I'm just sitting there like, "Screw you, sky jet fire, go do a science and shut up." <laughs> Honestly, I really think Robots in Disguise' big strength is in is in its character dynamics. 
Yes. Because it actually got me to like Sideswipe and Drift. Not just, to, I <laughs> mean, genuinely enjoy them and like them as characters, and that's a tall order. I like Drift's sons, who I realize were not technically his sons, but his babies. I mean, Drift I is a bastard, <laughs> but like, just seeing his, his the, you know, the bits where he's starting to melt and show, and where he's starting to really start to gel with the team, mm-hmm. and the moment where he hugs Slip... Slipstream and jet storm, and it's like, oh right, right, I gotta be stoic, right? <laughs> I've I've got my the one toy I ended up getting, and and it was running at a time when my finances were pretty tight, so I wasn't just like impulse buying toys, but I did get a figure of strong arm because I like her a lot. She's great. She's very. Yeah, strong. I really wish she had a different name. I, I love her, but <laughs> dang, that name was a bad call. <laughs> Even yeah. before. <laughs> twenty twenty. Even if they'd gone with uh, long arm, yeah. like the like yeah. the long arm of the law, still not yeah. great, but yeah. better. Yeah. yeah, female transformer named Strong Arm. Good call. Yeah, that's true. Police car named Strong Arm. <laughs> Maybe Ooh. not. Yeah. Great. Not good. Simpsons yeah. gift of everybody tugging their collar. Worse now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, and and I, I I think that that the the character dynamics that is you know I liked Prime but. Everybody got along pretty well on Prime. And, you know, they were sort of like this finely honed military machine. Everybody was good at their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, there wasn't a lot of character conflict. Yeah. Whereas Robots of Disguise... You had a, a lot of really good individuals, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas Robots of Disguise, it is a bunch of w- weird goofballs who don't <laughs> know each other particularly well and are thrown into a situation they are wholly unprepared for. Just these delightful disaster children. Oh, yeah, what was it? That, there was a tweet yesterday by... Disaster bisexuals. Yes, yes, Genevieve was, uh, Frank? I, I yes. probably yes. just mispronounced her name. Yeah. Jen, apparently, on Twitter, it said, the bisexual disasters is like, oh, now I might actually understand the characters more. It makes more sense, because at the time, I... I mean, I do like the dynamic, like, they have inter-character conflicts. It's very much a super sentai dynamic. But half the characters I don't like. Like, as you <laughs> mentioned, Sideswipe and Drift and, and uh, I can't stand Fix It. Oh. Oh, then you're oh, a bad person. Gonna, that's going to be a point of debate. You're a bad person and should feel bad. I, <laughs> we are going to tie you down and make you watch My Cousin Vinny. Like, it's, <laughs> it's his verbal tick. It grates on me almost as much as, oh, what was, um, the Martian girl from that one Teen Titans cartoon? Oh, uh, Young Justice. Hello, Megan. Yes. Yes. Her, her verbal tick was more annoying, but fix it's like the fact that it happens every episode and, and like, it feels like somebody else should finish his sentences after a few episodes <laughs> and get where he's going, but uh, we'll get there. Like, um, I, I do really like just going back to the Decepticons for a moment. I, I did really love when you'd have, uh, their, their animal nature really like contributing to what, like, filches. And of course, I love filch. I, a thing. I, I love corvids. Uh, and just the fact that the whole story around her was just her acting like a bird. <laughs> and, you know, especially you'd get that with some of the insect, more insect ones where, like, their whole criminal thing was somewhere, was, was something that was very, uh, 
based on that that animal thing and that was just it was very interesting and it was a lot of fun and well, and i i almost dare say it was a little bit educational for the kids <laughs> well yes. animal modes definitely put a lot towards giving you a base to start off with right away Mm. Yes. Even in the abstract, like, let's go with Quillfire. I love Quillfire. In a better universe, he would have been voiced by Rick Mail. But <laughs> we're not in that universe. But just the fact, yeah, he's, okay, so he's a porcupine. So he's a prickly thing that you don't want to get near and is most <laughs> effective when running away. <laughs> Bam, that's his character arc. He's an obnoxious prick, literally. Viva la revolution. Yeah, and his whole gear is turning his back and running as far as he can while throwing stuff behind for you to deal with. Yes. Also, there was pretty much immediately filthy, filthy fan art of Steeljaw, so that follows yeah, that with the whole was, wolf oh, yeah. thing. Well, people love wolves. <laughs> yes, yeah. people love well, it, wolves. It's also that, like, the other Decepticons are animal people, and Steeljaw is flat out a furry. Yes. yes. Yeah. Like, and, and there is a difference. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, my- are there any others that have, like, animal faces other than the frog who really doesn't have a frog-like personality? Well, Quillfire's well, I mean, got he's, kind he's of an animal face. It's it's more of a persona. dinosaur face than a than a porcupine, but... Well, uh, Bisque has, like, I a lobster face. I think the word you're looking for is anthro. Yeah. Nothing's immediately coming to mind. But it's like... It, I don't know if you guys have seen the thing passing around, like, on the web of, like, how to tell if an artist is a furry. You ask them to draw a dog. <laughs> Ah. Uh, oh. And it's like a normal dog, and they always have the furry face when they do the dog. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to be able to draw the animal first before you do the furry version, guys. you got to cover it up better. Yeah. So but- I, I do appreciate <laughs> that the moment that we as a society online decided to stop kink shaming furries were immediately actually kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like. I'm just laying out that, like, there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, grotesque beast men, and then there's stupid, sexy steel jaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, nobody's, uh... Big, and you give him that sidekick. voice, and you give him that mannerism. Yeah, no, nobody's writing fanfic about Clampdown. No. no. Well, there was some fan... Well, at least Japanese fan art of a couple of the other guys, including, um... Oh, I hope not the guys with tentacles. Stallone's brother... What was his yeah, name? Thunderhoof and Steeljaw became a yep. ship like immediately oh, mm-hmm. because Thunderhoof was basically lot. Steeljaw's dumb sidekick. <laughs> He's his himbo. Yes, that was just immediately Tumblr was like, "Here you go." And, and here we go. Here's another good character design thing with Thunderhoof. Okay, his whole thing: headbutting, headstrong, stomping, angry, boom. Yeah. Yes, fits he's, the he's... fits the animal themes very and well. Tractor. Also, I just. Tractor. Yes. Oh. He runs like a deer. It's like a only thresher, the second yeah, tractor. Thresher you've tractor mode. Yeah. So good. I, I assume they couldn't paint. I assume they couldn't uh, release him in green uh, due to uh, oh. contract. Uh, <laughs> due to, uh, I was kind of annoyed that we did. Like we got redecos of some of the other guys. We never. We should have got him in green or maybe orange. Orange would have been nice. There are some tractors in orange. I mean, I... the redecos played into the show sometimes in ways that were extremely visually boring, but. Yeah. Uh, there's just, there's one episode I think midway through the run where everybody is brown. Oh yeah, uh, there was one towards the end that. where they got hazmat colors. Uh, yes, uh, I where just they were all really... in like bright yellows. I'm yes, just very sad. See, I would have loved to I... have a couple of those in toy. 
I'm just very sad that Filch never got a proper toy. Now that is All I'm saying is that, despite my various thoughts about third-party stuff, whoever makes a deluxe-scale clampdown is going to have my money. Yeah, the, <laughs> yes. the, beast, the beast cons got Hose? got mistreated when it came to their toy use. and the, uh, the, the toy line is kind of all over the place. Yeah, I have a feeling that that's less about beasts and more just about Decepticons in general and the general yeah. Batmaning and oh, yeah, well, A-list charactering of the line. I understand it. I understand the thing. It's just... It seems to be a, to me a sort of a tragedy that for the first time that you get really interesting, wild, completely toyetic across the, the board, beast mode, like bad guys, that's when they decide we're going to start uh, treating this a little bit more responsibly when it comes to the number of bad guy toys we release. Yes. Yeah, we're getting like, Power Rangersified. The ones we did get, though, I really like. Uh, they're... They're good, but they're flawed. Like, I mean, there's some early, like the, I, I do wish that Steeljaw had come later in the line with, yeah. they really got a hang of it. Yeah. He's mostly good, but his arms just aren't quite right. He's like, he's like on, yeah. um, Knockout. Oh yeah, Knockout. And that he's yeah. almost a good toy, but not. Mm, I, I would toys. love it if they would just sneak him into Kingdom or something. Yeah. Mm. It looks like we might get a Knockout in red, according yeah. to some oh, of the right. leaks. Yeah. The, uh, like a, Action mastery, and guy. I mean, I, yes. I'm already sold on that. That's happening. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm... especially because there's apparently already one of the the leaks is uh, a different one is Prime RC. So I need Ooh. her to beat him up just constantly on my desk. It was rather fun because I was talking with a friend about said leak, and he's like, "Well, I've never really watched that far into Prime, so you know, I'm a little shocked that they're doing knock." Like he's like. I've never watched it. I'm not really shocked that they're adding a knockout. Why would they do that? I'm like, dude, okay, let me show you this clip. <laughs> and so I showed him the clip of Prime from when Knockout and Starscream were bickering over the, the keys that unlocked them at late, you know, late in the third season. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, great. Why didn't I think of it? And he just, he's like, okay, I get it now. I immediately get why people love him. <laughs> yes. Yes, well, thank you. You love him too. Asshole with the car horn. <laughs> the, uh, Passerby. That is one of the things that, that uh, Prime and Red both had going, is that the the villains were not the standard uh, 1984 fare. No. And I, I will say this, the, the Decepticons have only improved in the quality of their army since the start of the show, uh, the start of the franchise. <laughs> yes. Because um, originally it was three kind of distinct dudes in the wave of repaints and it hasn't really not been that for a lot of periods yeah it's a lot of it's a lot more like sort of conniving I mean again uh, like I said you get a lot of characters who are sort of uh influenced by having like insect modes or crab modes or Crow mode, and even and- some of them. Even if I can't remember, like I can't remember the name of the of the polar bear one, but I re- but I remember him because he had a power, mm-hmm. right? So they're a lot more interesting, and they're a lot more like conniving and a lot more tricksy. They're well, they're not as much just like ha ha. They're you and know, even like fun. somebody who was only going to appear for like two minutes. Of, like one of the one of the different skunk ones. They gave him the Edward G. Yes, I remember <laughs> that those. sticks in my head. I'll never really think of him much again, but I remember him. Yeah. Yes. The um, 
I think part of what one of the advantages that Rid has, because it's a series where the Decepticons are not out to conquer the world through most of it. Mm-hmm. Or, They're just escaped criminals. Yeah, but or like, they are, but Steeljaw's plans to conquer Earth are so threadbare. And like, just <laughs> clearly just him, that that's his pitch scam to get people in on his, on his, uh, into his marketing seminar, basically. <laughs> yes. It's like, that's how he gets them in the pyramid scheme, is with, yeah, yeah, we're gonna take over the Earth yeah. with our six guys. It's Whoa. like he's not actually as cool as they seem. It's like he's always setting up an Ocean's Eleven, but he's got the dumbest guys on his side so he can never finish the plan. It's like, yeah. I, I just assumed I would be dealing with people like Thundercracker and Starscream. I did not know I would have to work with this. Yes. Like, the smartest I, guy on his team is the one who got his ship stolen in his first episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... Removing that galactic conquest, like, as a serious aspiration, makes them such a more interesting group of people, because they can have individual wants that aren't just take over the world. Like, mm, right. uh, um, the, the frog guy, uh, Spring, um, Spring Load. Spring Load. Spring Load. His whole obsession with not El Dorado. Um, yes. Doratus. Doratus, yeah. Just, that wouldn't work in most, in most Transformer series because Megatron wouldn't let one of his soldiers just wander around looking for a lost city. Right. He, that, that was the sort of thing you would get in like that period of the Marvel comics after Megatron died. Yeah. But yeah. before Simon Furman took over, so you had like Ratbat running a, Car wash and and all that. <laughs> the Decepticon sort of graffiti and yeah. yes, it, it's the kind of thing that a guy would have in his toy bio in like 1988 that would be mentioned maybe once in a comic like book. Ground Pounder, yeah. Yeah. I love Ground Pounder. His whole thing is just oh, yeah. I just I just want to beat people up in front of a crowd. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Filch just wanted shiny things. She just wanted to have a nest full of shiny things, and that's very relatable, I think, for all of us. Yeah, and you got, like, mad scientists who want to do experiments, and... You got a guy in the space mafia. Yeah. <laughs> guy in the space mafia, the one that just wants to make, I guess, robot honey? <laughs> I wasn't clear on what the bee was up to. Oh, uh, Jack A. Harry. Uh, she was hypnotizing humans to make a kingdom. Yes. Yes. She was, yeah, she was definitely doing extremely bee things. Which would clearly be towards the goal of producing robo-honey. Yeah. <laughs> but, because, <laughs> you know, bees. Yeah, you know, make robo-honey, menace Nicolas Cage. The usual. Yeah. Her plans, her plans aren't small. No, no, no. She's just extremely a bee. Bonk into somebody's window a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah. Man, I'm really looking forward to to getting back to this series because I watched the first season and maybe a little of the second season, and then I kind of lost track of when it was on and where it was on, and I moved. Things happened, you uh, know. I, I think uh, it's so yeah. Like I said I I really do enjoy this show a lot. Be I mean mm. I would enjoy it even without the you know associations. <laughs> but like the, even if yeah, you haven't been the involved, fact that. Yeah. The Stunticons. I I actually didn't object to this G one intrusion. 
into robots in disguise mm-hmm. because they took the time to stop and okay, how do we make each of these idiots interesting? Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that yeah. you had a drag strip and wild break, I guess, was it? They named him. Yeah, yeah. Wild Break oh, was wild, the one yeah. who seemed to be breakdown and knockout kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, dumb child. The schmuck and the and the Maurice Lamarche, Ralph Cramden guy. <laughs> you had the snot. You have the the jock bro, and then you've got this big muscly idiot. I love the episode <laughs> where they think, "Oh, the king of the road." That means they were the kings of all Earth roads. It's, that is a, an incredibly early, um, why have I just blanked on his name? Who wrote the Marvel comic? Motormaster. No. Oh, Bob Budiansky. Budiansky. That's oh, Bob a Budiansky. very Budiansky era early Transformers thing where they com- mistake something earthy for a big thing. And I am, yes. I am there for mm-hmm. it. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, the, the later G1 intrusions, at least for the most part, they did stuff like that. They made them interesting and, and readapted them to that universe. I I still wish that, like, we had gotten a combiner made out of some of Steeljaws people. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, yeah. Just so we could have had a second go with some of those characters at the very least in Toy Yeah, but... well, by that point, they would have been, like... Well, the combiners like... ain't great. Yeah. Yeah, the, the combiners, they're, they're fun enough, but uh, they are not... Very very strong Lyo Kaiser feelings there with with having your animal themed robots as a combiner. Yeah, I, I got oh, I, I picked up the uh, I picked up the Cyclonus combiner. I'm pretty sure it was at Hascon. Yeah, I I and like I'm just that well like, enough. I love but... these vehicle modes. I really do. I really wish they had better toys. Yes. Yeah, I think the toys were really. This was the beginning of the road that got us to Cyberverse. Uh, because Cyberverse is, is a toy line that's very much, uh, you know, like, based around... I, I don't want to sound mean about saying based around playability over, like, being any kind of accurate representation of the character. But, mm-hmm. you know, when when you're an older collector, that that is sort of a thing. That's why they had to go and make the deluxe series of Cyberverse toys because people actually wanted those characters that looked like those characters without right. being, like, handicapped by having to have, you know, no elbows for some punchy gimmick. Well, I, I think the I early mean, Cyberverse I, toy line has way more dire problems than just sacrificing for gimmicks. Yeah, I think, uh... <laughs> I, I have, a, I, I up, have but... an opinion on that, but... <laughs> um... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no. <laughs> but what I was, what I was basically like, I think what hurt Cyberverse's gimmick stuff uh, compared to other generations is that typically, like in Beast Wars, if you got a figure that had a gimmick, which early on was all of them, mm-hmm. the whole figure and the character itself was built around the gimmick. Right. So, like uh, the um, Bone Crusher, the Buffalo, who had the Xenomorph head pop out and the missile spit mm-hmm. out of his mouth. Yes, that, the big rhino alien. Yeah, thing. that that worked for him because they built the whole toy around that. Right. The, the way the character was designed was to look like it would have like a ramming feature, like the head would go forward. It had the the mouth that was designed to always look like it was roaring to spit the missile out. It was built to kind of hold that central mechanism in both modes, and it integrated really well and was very it it contributed to the character. 
And in Cyberverse, unfortunately, they're stuck trying to apply these types of gimmicks to pre-existing designs that don't change to accommodate them. Right, so that only really works if you're going from a a toy-first design perspective and and not a character-first design perspective. And I I think that it it winds up being one of those things where it benefits the the show a little bit more when you do that, because... um, Toyetic design doesn't just apply in toys. Mm-hmm. Um, it applies in fiction as well. Um, because if a character is designed toyetically, I mean, you see this in like the way that Dark Souls bosses are designed, where you can tell what their deal is by looking at them. Because they essentially mm-hmm. have big action feature parts. Right. That they kill you with. That, that they kill you with. But they're, that's, <laughs> the, that's the type of play that they do. That's the, the nature of their toyeticness. And you, you can have that in fiction. Anytime something looks cool and does like, does what it looks like it should do, very obviously, that's a little bit of toyetic nature to sort of sprinkle in, a little element of play in the world. And, um, I'd have loved it if we'd gotten a Starscream that had the big missile pods on the on the wings if that was what the toy and the design was built around because then we could have had a cool missile pod Starscream thing in the show. <laughs> also, he wouldn't look like every other Starscream in the three other concurrently running toy lines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I get having the multiple toy lines, but why, if they're all doing the same thing, uh, I'm confused. <laughs> Right. Why not just have one? (laughs) Defeats the purpose. So yeah, that that does, I feel like, by the end of the Robots in Disguise toy line, they were sort of leaning more towards that, taking these characters and and turning them into, like, more of a younger playable toy philosophy. But that, that we ended up getting with Cyberverse all in. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it really is a unique series and a kind, the kind of toy, the kind of series that I don't think we could have got even a couple years later is Hasbro really seems to be aligning their, uh, their design philosophy and with a sort of G1-ish, but not quite G1 it's a aesthetic. Play it safe. Yes. They seem to be. Yeah, you're not allowed to have new mm-hmm. things. You're not allowed to try new things. You you got to stay with what's known and what's safe. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's going to be all well and good until everybody already has an Ironhide or a Megatron or yeah. Well, hey, that means we'll just have to uh, mix it up, do something else, do something crazy. And I've raised this point elsewhere. It just kind of runs counter to how Transformers has always yeah. worked. We're getting our second Skylinks in, you know, a reasonable number of years. And, you know, it's not that I don't like Skylinks. Well, I, mean, that's, that's, I mean, something like Skylinks is weird enough that that's fine. Yeah, that's true. But that you can have Earthrise and and uh, uh, Steege. Yeah, I still call it Steege. Fuck off. Steege. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, th- Steege those two star screams on the, on the shelf at the same time, and you've got your 14th yeah. Uh, Generations Prime that looks like the Generation 1 cartoon model, and the fact that we've got three RCs coming out that all turn into roughly the same car, and two of them are at the $20 price point. Okay, four if the uh, Series 3 Tiny Turbo Changers ever come out. <laughs> I do appreciate that the Cyberverse RC doubled down uh, by making the white also pink. <laughs> 
So yeah. she's just like extra pink. But no, it's it just kind of runs counter to how Transformers. And I realize, as I say this, that so much of Transformers success relies on luck and risk and Hail Mary plays and what do we have to lose? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just... Because like, even the movies, even the live-action movies, it was like, well, we're modestly successful now, so this, you know, if the movie tanks, that's not really going to do much, so well, let's go nuts. Yeah. I mean, it can't hurt the brand too much. Yeah. I'm sure people still buy Battleship to play even though that movie <laughs> happened. Yeah. Although I think that that really did the, deal a significant blow to Hasbro. Battleship? It, it did. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, they should have known better. They, they flew too close uh, to the sun. <laughs> yeah. Very good use of the Icarus metaphor. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I... You know, going back to the the current trend in the in the toy lines is what I what I see happening, and where I'm concerned is that normally the pattern has been the kid aim stuff churns new ideas into the franchise, and then <laughs> those eventually get regurgitated into the collector stuff where they're repeated ad nauseum, and you kind of have this like distilling process. Right. And the problem is, is that for the past geez, almost, Four years? Well, I mean, Robots in Disguise only ended in 2017, I think. It hasn't been that long. Yeah, well, time doesn't seem to move at the right speed anymore. Well, no, we we no longer... (laughs) um, 50 years ago. The dawn of time. Uh, Admittingly, some of the, uh, you know, despite it all. Uh, But it's... Right now, nothing new is being churned in, because it's all... Very heavily relying on 84, 85. What? There's little and... snippets in Cyberverse, but they're yeah, also I, I, light. I like those snippets. You know, yeah. I like Shadow Striker. Oh, yeah, the... I like. Um... Shadow yes. Striker, who has two oh. shit toys, and that's it. But hey, yes. we're about to get our seventh prowl in Cyberverse, uh, so that's fantastic. Why didn't Shadow Striker have a good toy? Why didn't Arak have a good toy? Prowl didn't even do anything in that show. Prowl. The most significant thing Prowl did was die, and that wasn't even significant. <laughs> yeah, I got to that part, and I was sort of like, so is that it for him? Even ignore the idea that I think maybe we should retire Prowl for a little while, just as a concept. Yeah. Just even besides yeah. that. <clears throat> just a little. But like, I picked up, <laughs> but like, I like Hammerbite. I yeah. rather like. Okay, Clobber isn't really mm. new. She's just the poor man Scorpia, but you know, even a poor man Scorpia <laughs> yeah. is pretty good because Scorpia is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But yes, I like Hammerbite. I like the concept of Wild Wheel. His episode was garbage, but I like the concept <laughs> of Wild Wheel. I like the concept of a lot of these new characters that they're doing. Haven't gotten to it yet, but I like his they're design. Just not, they're just coming way too late mm-hmm. and not always executed great. Yeah, and and that was yeah that was weird with the the burst of like here's a whole bunch of new guys, like <laughs> uh, where I mean thank you but where'd this come from it's uh, it's <laughs> been a while. Maybe you should have spread those out. I mean yeah. I, pick, I picked up um what's his name Thunderhowl the uh, the armor up one and it's like it's actually it's genuinely a good toy. It's solid. I enjoy it oh, a lot. I'll have to grab it's, him then. it's got lots of joints and unnecessary joints. It's, it's still got the silly armor gimmick that I'm probably never going to use again because I got to take his cape off to do that and to hell with that. <laughs> but like, 
I see these snippets of good stuff in Cyberverse, but it just has gotten buried in a combination of not 80s enough and bad writing. But so <laughs> yeah, I have feelings. It's, it's just about kind of sad. Some of it drift. I have feelings about drift. Well, we'll we'll be getting to that show eventually once we've gotten through yeah, Prime uh, just, and just I may ask to be part of that just because I want to rant at length about the drift arc. <laughs> yeah, just, just carve me out a forty-five minute rant about the episode where they're leaving the planet and they have the arc fake out. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing those are short episodes. <laughs> yeah. No, like literally that fifteen-minute episode, I've got forty-five minutes of bitch for. <laughs> but, okay, we'll, we'll mark you down for it's going to be like twenty twenty five at this point. Extra long you, complaining episode. <laughs> Assuming like, we all live that long, sure. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. not an extra long complaint. <laughs> it is a breakdown of the have how to structure a narrative. <laughs> it's like it, it's a college course yeah. that I built around this episode. I'll do I'll do uh I'll do a lecture like that on the Velocitron episode about mood and tone. Oh. <laughs> or just go watch that those. new uh H Bomber guy video about Ruby. It hits so many points that I'm sitting there looking at going, Yeah, this all seems really familiar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I gotta watch that because I, I love and hate Ruby in a way. <laughs> What? Taking whole chunks of cool things and redoing them and not understanding why they work? Gee, I haven't seen that recently. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of Ruby's problem. Good it's kind ideas. of a lot it, of problems. It takes them a while to hit the target. And then no, they just sort I, he, of he's bringing about. up these points. I'm sitting there going, geez, I, I recognize this in so many things I've watched lately yeah. in this franchise. Also, it's spoilers because I don't think I've watched the last two or three seasons. I never watched any of it, but I thought, but I'm always up for a good criticism on plotting and all that, just to see what the yeah. thought, and it's like, yeah. And, and just to keep an eye out for your own mistakes. Yeah, Trent and I have had this argument before and works, not with, not with each other, but with outside forces. A story is not just a collection of events that happen. Right. It, there, there has to be a point, um, I I have uh I mean everybody's got their own particular like writing bugbears. Uh you know, Harmon's obsessed with the circles. I have a I, I have a, an obsession with cost in terms mm-hmm. of plot. Every uh I don't like pl- in when I'm plotting things I don't like the clean victories. Uh, mm-hmm. Like whenever one gr- one person accomplishes something, there's always a side effect that has to be dealt with later, a sort of cascade of consequence, mm-hmm. uh, which gets messy. But ooh, it's fun for drama. <laughs> yes. But I, I'm just very much a. Why should we care that the character involved? What? How does the character work in this? If I can slot in anybody else for this character, what am I doing? Right. And uh, it's, I know it'll sound pretentious, but what does this fight mean? (laughs) No, no, I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. Yes. Well, it's like, when it comes down to it, like, one of the things that happens with every geek is you go through your who'd win in a fight with phase, which Mm -hmm. may last anywhere from five to 50 years, depending. (laughs) (laughs) And and then sometimes it comes back every once in a while, but... Uh, but you know, and with the differing degrees of taking it seriously and irony and levels. Don't of, take it seriously. 
yeah, what, you know, are, are you exploring it? Is it an exploration of the, how the world building works or whatever? But largely you get over that phase. But once you do, you realize the writer determines who wins the fight. Almost always mm-hmm. the good guys. And so the, the fight has to have some other point other than being a, a conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise, because if it's who wins by, by force of strength, whoever the writer says. Mm-hmm. So you either have to make it a, you either have to make it a, an exercise in cleverness where you're attempting to engage and surprise the viewer by, you know, twists and things, or you have to make the fight about something else, which is why so many battles between heroes and their villains also seem to happen while they're de- debating philosophy. I mean, and then like the killing stroke happens when the uh, when one person wins their argument. Yes, (laughs) I mean, Uh, me. No, those are the best. But yeah, I mean, it's like, and I have just described all of anime ever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is and this is another thing that robots in disguise was good at. The characters had reasons, uh, had a reason for what they were doing beyond just. I'm evil, except yeah. for Megatronus, but we'll ignore him. Well, yes. I mean, the fact the fact that the I want to go back to Eddie Deason, his whole thing is, despite the fact of being this giant monster worm, he had self-esteem issues and got angry, <laughs> and that was the whole point of why he was doing things, to prove himself, and that ties in with proving yourself and ties in with Jazz being cool, and just, it's all character-based. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Every, each of the major characters in that story who they are and how they respond to things is what makes the story work. I've my big thing writing wise as I have always loved the hero who never starts shit. Shit finds them. Mm-hmm. And then they make it worse before <laughs> they make it better. Well that that is robots in disguise in a nutshell. Yes. Ronma one half was very formative for me as far as a, a hero who never starts crap and it comes at them and they just they blow it bad until they turn it around. The Bugs Bunny and it's all very based on their eccentricities. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary of robots in disguise. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're we're just trying to, you know, hang out at this uh hang out at this junkyard with uh the two human cast members who we actually haven't mentioned yet. Oh yeah, because they're an afterthought. I mean, they're totally fine. I mm, uh, I like them. I, I like that they at least <laughs> tried to engage them with the uh, with the the flimsy excuse making. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked the the sort of Buffy the Vampire Slayer ish level of, like, selective amnesia normal people have. <laughs> they'll accept any given... They'll accept any given excuse that makes them not think it's giant robots, which is the exact opposite way actual human beings are. Yes. I mean, it fits yeah. if you remember that this is in continuity with rescue bots. Yeah. That's just the world. This is Just ignore them. Yeah. Just ignore oh, crime. Wow. That's just how this world works. And that's how a lot of old cartoons also worked as well. So, yeah. for me. Oh, rescue bots might make the show more enjoyable the second time around. Well, hey, there's, Thanks, there's, some, there's some character crossover there. <gasps> Yay! And uh, I was just going to say that uh, having Ted McGinley in the show from the start uh, means that you jump the shark immediately, so uh, you're totally fine. 
I I did like that I uh, I'm pulling up stuff on the wiki as I'm reminding myself of it, and there's a little pull quote on uh, Denny Clay's page. <laughs> He's the closest thing to a responsible adult. <laughs> I, I, oh, no. I do uh, I do appreciate that the the adult needs an adult because he does. <laughs> he really yeah. does. <laughs> Uh, she also uses a lot of bad disguises, and I'm a real sucker for bad disguises. A lot. Uh, yeah. Is a tarp a disguise? <laughs> I mean, if you're a giant robot, the answer is yes, apparently. <laughs> I, I I adore Grimlock's attempts at finding a vehicle mode. Yeah. <laughs> That's just. I mean, I just adore. I just adore robots in disguise. Grimlock in general. Yes, I mean they. He they, had me they, from the first line. Somebody's fighting. I hear fighting. I want to fight. <laughs> yeah, he's, they they veer he's a, away from the prevailing Grimlock of the past decade or so. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it works very well. Yeah, God, I miss that. I miss that big log. Yeah, give him a new name and just stick him with the G one Dinobots. Yeah, <laughs> no. like, get like stick a little horn on his nose. Call. <laughs> Make him a stura- make him a uh, a, a, serotin- a, a, serotin- a, a ceratosaurus, ceratosaurus. yeah, just a or ceratosaurus. yeah, a ceratosaurus. Just stick a horn on his nose, give him a slightly different oh, color scheme, or, and go. Or what's the what's the what was the a dracone the the one with that's got a lot more horns on oh, the the, the Draco Rex? Oh, yes, the Draco. Yeah, the Draco yeah, Rex. Make him one of those. That kind of fits his silhouette. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big fan of that one. Well, yeah, but then he won't have a. Um... Uh, Godzilla in name only jawline. <laughs> no, you can keep that. Go ahead and My keep God. that. He's a robot. Yeah. One. No, he doesn't need to be completely accurate. He can yeah. be a little stylized. Yeah, I mean, it's, as it stands, I mean, he's got three fingers. <gasps> so. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not yeah. like the Dinobots are terribly young. <laughs> yeah, like the Dinobots, the Dinobots are, are like, they're paleo- they're they're accurate to the silhouettes of like modern paleo- paleontology of 1948. I yeah. want to say. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's just like. But on the other hand, they were designed by a by a, a robot who found out about dinosaurs and thought they were neat. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me that kid's book and that blowtorch. Yes. <laughs> I've got some life to irresponsibly bring into the world. <laughs> <laughs> or depending upon the other timeline, they go by Savage Lands dinosaurs, which are very fucking weird. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They lost their feathers. That's your good bag of rubber monster style of dinosaur yes. right oh, yeah. there. You yeah. buy that at the you buy that at the Eckerd Drugs yes, for two fifty. Alongside the Marvel <laughs> comics about the Savage Land. <laughs> yep. Uh, so yeah, I I I am really looking forward to uh, to getting back into some robots yeah. in disguise. No, nah, it's uh. It's a good series. I liked it. Yeah. it. It's a fun, light little series. It's not yes. one to take seriously. It's not blank. No, it's just it's just light fun, and it's kind of something that's, that was especially missing from Transformers for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, outside I mean, Prime, of Rescue Bots. I mean, you had Rescue Bots. Yeah, I mean, which Prime's was, very serious, and the movies are very serious when they're not <laughs> being too trying. They're, yes, trying they, too they hard veer to be between comic. extremely stupid and extremely mm-hmm. serious. Well, you see, that's the thing is like the live action movies. It's not a, it's not veering between being light and fun and being serious. It's veering between, as you said, being stupid and being serious. Yeah, which is a different axis. It's different forms of intense. Yeah. It's as I've yes. said, everything very it, cool 
from those movies I like immediately associate with some absolutely like I can't hear people talking about how awesome the big combined devastator is going to be without thinking about the enemy scrotum. It's just <laughs> yeah, that's uh... well, that's true. But then that makes me think of uh, John Turturro. On the other hand, it did give us Hound's bullet cigar, actually used as a bullet, which is, I'm sorry, that's objectively awesome. Yeah, I like Maybe that. Maybe not for Hound, though. I don't like that Hound. That's not, that's not Hound. He's Hound in name only while we're, eh. while we're on that. Eh, I, I stopped trying to associate them with specific G1 characters. It's not worth it. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of, it's like, it's, it's movie yes. Hound. Yes. Yeah, it's it's as much it's like it's a bunch of caricatures. That's that's yeah. what you get. But like no, and I mean, I actually just responded to this on Twitter earlier today with just the fact one of the great things the original Generation One cartoon did was making sure that every character had most characters had a unique voice, even if it was just mm-hmm. silly accent or caricature of celebrity. A- or in a few cases, actual celebrity. I was a little disappointed that Robots in Disguise went in more of a movie direction with Drift. Uh, but then I have to remember that the only Drift I actually like is the hippie himbo more than meets the eye Drift. So... <laughs> I think that's the only Drift a lot of people Yeah, like, like before that, he was terrible. Yeah. I mean, before that, he was just absolutely unendurable. But then, you know, he... He became a. Well, I a think the fact that they gave Drift little moments of humor, like when he dressed up as a ghost, yes. that was great. <laughs> I, I'm amenable to movie Drift because he is, after yeah. all, Ken Watanabe. I was expecting a giant car. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's he's a caricature to. But I do like degree. that he has children. I like that he has babies. His mm-hmm. babies are adorable, and I'm looking oh. forward to seeing them again. Yeah, like it's just—it's just a series. It's a light, fun series. You sit back, you relax, you don't take it too seriously. It—it's never going to smack you in the face. It's never going to try too hard to be too serious and unearned gravitas. Mm-hmm. It's got Windblade. I like Windblade. I like this interpretation of Windblade. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. not my favorite, but I definitely like this version yeah. of her. Her uh, her first animated appearance. It's, it's definitely yeah. better and, than the first season of Cyberverse, where she's just Bumblebee's babysitter. Mm-hmm. Season yeah. one of Cyberverse, aka Bumblebee needs an adult. <laughs> there's literally a bit where there's a she leaves him on the ship, and there's a button that he shouldn't press, and it's just him wanting to press the button, and I'm like, oh my god. I I know they say that his memories were just blanked out, but it feels like there was a lot more damage yeah. done than that. <laughs> it really does. Like, and I mean, on, on the on, I guess you can do a reading where it's like that that first season while he's recovering is super tragic because like he needs a prof- he doesn't need an adult he needs a prof- a medical professional. Yes, he needs ratchet. <laughs> he doesn't need one blade. It's like. It's like uh, and uh, so what are we gonna it's do? Somehow, somehow not as bad as he's. It's, he's somehow worse in the episode of Robots in Disguise, where Bumblebee gets reverted by Quillfire. Oh, no. Yes. He's... He, Bumblebee acts like a child, and that's hilarious. I don't think I saw Will that Friedel one, so. really nails it there. Oh. Mm-hmm. That was Quillfire's intro episode. He he hits B mm. with a quill that basically turns his maturity down to zero. Oh, no! <laughs> and so, so now... That's Cyberverse. Which, is an, which, again, a nice character trait, because Bumblebee had to be the responsible adult... 
for Grimlock and Strongarm and Sideswipe, who are not responsible no. adults. <laughs> yeah. And now they gotta be. Uh, looking yeah. forward to that. Again, character-driven. Yeah. Character! Who, who they are is important. Yes. <laughs> Robots in disguise. This scouting trip has gone horribly awry. <laughs> 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 it's just like... It's like basically what winds up happening. It's just like... Yeah. It's like the, the you got the the scout troop leader and a bunch of kids, and they're they and oh wow they they befriended they the just... dinosaur first day. <laughs> now I got to deal with this. They can't stop prodding the native life forms. <laughs> What's this do? Poke, poke. <laughs> but you know, so... it's uh, it would be nice to see the the. Transformers just get unleashed on Earth for a while to poke around and be confused by humans again. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun series. Yeah, so uh, does anybody have any uh, any final thoughts before we uh, we wrap her up here? Uh, I think that's a pretty good one. Let's put fun back in Transformers. All right. Without having yeah. to just be... Like, I love G1, but come on, guys. Even I am a little exhausted. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to loot, if you want to loot nostalgia, we got plenty of non G one options. We can make you a, a sizzle reel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So, uh, do you guys have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, well, we've well, got the, the uh, we got the Isle of Rangoon, our YouTube channel, a, a puppet based. Uh, largely riff, but also just whatever the hell we feel like doing at the time. Including, we need to we need to really get back on this one. The ongoing breakdown of the lost UPN series Deadly Game, starring Christopher yes. Lloyd. Yes. Yeah, I gotta gotta get back into that. Yes. Uh, we're we're at the halfway point where they thought they were going to lose Christopher <laughs> Lloyd, and so they had to write him out of the show. But then they got him back, so they're like, "Well, we're gonna keep him in. <laughs> He's okay." Duke's- gonna live. And he gets to act like no oh god, oh Christopher Lloyd oh man he is one br- yeah that's oh I would love to yeah, write it, for it, him. It's a great it's a great episode but it also is one of those it's a little bit difficult and uh for me because it's it deals with father son stuff and that's just like Ooh. instant waterworks for trying uh-huh. um, a soft spot. It's like if if Cats in the Cradle comes on while I'm in a store, I gotta leave. <laughs> uh, I do too, just because I hate that song. But <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. So that that's been going. And the other thing is, um, I am working on a webcomic. We don't have a devoted URL yet, but we have a Tumblr and Facebook. It is the Dino Guard. That is spelled with a Y. D-Y-N-O-G-U-A-R-D. I hope I spelled guard there right, because that's one of those <laughs> words I always get wrong, because I double-guess it. And it is about sentient dinosaurs from uh, the Cretaceous period who get hurled into the future to fight monsters. Best best mm. thing. Best thing to happen. It, it is very 80s. Nice. And uh, um, uh, Zero Ma'am, uh, Evan Gaunt, is our current penciler. Okay. So... He do good work. Yes, he does. He is good at the arts. All right, so please uh, join us next time for uh, the first part of the Transformers Robots in Disguise 2015 pilot entitled 
pilot. <laughs> oh boy, that tells me oh, so much. With one of the best with one of the best Decepticon characters ever, right out of the gate. Oh, that's right. Yay. I don't remember who, but we'll be there. He's he's like. It's, of course, it's like you don't remember, cause I eat it. <laughs> oh yes, I love that. It's like if a hungry, hungry hippo was evil. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, um. I'm gonna say this right now, just th- th- that, this is when the show endeared me, and realize it's late and we're trying to wrap up, but this is when the show endeared itself to me right away, when the, you see this giant quadruped slavering beast, and then the first thing he does is basically, yeah bro, I lift, I'ma go get some protein carbs and kick oh, your ass. I, I think <laughs> and I then he names his biceps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. And then instantly I went, okay, this show knows what it's doing, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, the first episode introduction character that, 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 it, it started on a really good foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Four of them. Uh, <laughs> I'm noticing Audacity stuttering, so. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> yeah, let, let's uh, say yes. that it'll be done. All right. Thank you for having me. No, it, it was our Stay pleasure. Stay safe, everybody. Wear a mask when you go outside. Absolutely. Yep. Don't die because we need our audience. <laughs> Take care of each other. All right. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm David Locke. I'm Trent. I'm Morley Safer. <laughs> <laughs> 